Hi, my name is Nicole J. Georges. I'm a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist staying in Los Angeles, California with my half-blind chihuahua, Panyo Georges. <laughs> this is our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Today on Sagittarian Matters, food reviews with Morgan. Then I answer questions about polyamory, ghosting, comics, and more. Stay tuned. Morgan Grunstein LV. Oh, Nicole. Welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What have you here? Right now we're going to be tasting chickpea snacks covered in sea salt by Bienna. Um, they're not just for snacking. They make a great topping for soup, salads, and desserts. Come on. Taste this. They have seven grams of protein. And how many? How, like in like six packets of them? Um, how many do you have to eat to get seven grams of protein? Tell me. Um, um, one. One packet? A single 1.2 ounce serving. Mm. I think this tastes like shit. <laughs> it tastes pretty staled. I think the thing with these, like, so they're like... Are they rancid? Deep fried chickpeas is like they taste like an old peanut. Well, don't worry. Like, they've got 64% less fat than dry roasted peanuts. Can you, you know tell? my problem with peanuts is the fat. Can you tell? Otherwise, I would be eating dry roasted peanuts 24-7. I love chickpeas so much. Everybody <laughs> knows this about me. A co-worker said, I think I've never seen you not eating chickpeas. Like, I'm always just shoveling them in my mouth. These are not my favorite. There's only three ingredients. Don't worry. Um, I think they might be, um, no. They just taste rancid, but they're not rancid yet. Mm. They've got, they've got mm. up until July 28th of 2017 until they're officially bad. That is a glowing, mm. glowing hunger mm. mm. They are loaded in fiber. Be careful. 32%. Um, these are a firm pass on me, even with my coupon for $1 off. Oh my god, $1 off? How much could this sleeve of disgusting chickpeas possibly cost? Also, dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a dessert hummus, and I'm going to top them with some chickpea snacks. Why do you have to accompany these? Um, I also have some Naked Edge um, Veggie Goes. That sounds terrible. Like it's gonna make you go. This is a um, sweet potato apple spices period. Oh no, sweet potato pie. Sorry, this is a sweet potato pie fruit leather. Are you kidding me? I'm not at all kidding you. Taste it's it. fruit leather. It smells like apple fruit leather. Mm-hmm. I was reading the ingredients. I made a mistake. Sweet potatoes, apples, spices, period. It tastes like apple fruit leather. I don't know why sweet potatoes have to be involved. I love this. Love? Love. I would eat like 10 of them. What? Mm-hmm. I don't care if food. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat, I just eat a sweet potato. Mom, they have a ton of vitamin A. I don't even care. I would just eat them because I like them. Listeners, this is a fruit leather made of sweet potatoes. Why? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> also, all the snacks we almost have ever eaten could easily just be dog snacks. Yeah. Like sweet potato chews for dogs. Here, Ponyo, have some sweet potato chews. Seed chew. crisps for dogs. Chickpea snacks 
for dogs. Producer Ponya loved it. Mm-hmm. We've got the same palate. I think this is fine, but I'm just wondering, like, does the sweet potato give it a, a more of a hardiness than a normal fruit Super leather? Boost! So that you don't just burn it off? Like, what's the point? I don't know. Maybe it's all that vitamin A. I'm in. I'm in! <laughs> she threw it in the air. I love them! All right. Chickpea, freeze-dried chickpea, garbage snacks, thumbs mm-hmm. down. Veggie goes. Huge thumbs up for me. Nicole, I leave you on your own on this one. Halfway thumb. Do you have a chocolate course for me? Right now we're entering our chocolate course of the meal. We're serving a celestial latte straight from the stars with authentic masala chai, bold espresso, and rich cocoa. We're going to follow that one up with some vegan paleo almond butter cups, handcrafted Buddha chocolate, two cups per container. I just want to say since we're... Do you need a minute to prepare that or it's done? It's ready. It has been prepared. Well, since we're women and we're about to eat chocolate, <laughs> I do want to say we were just in the mall mm-hmm. and I was having a, a, my own Kathy moment because I was trying to buy sweats <laughs> and I don't understand because I can't, like, I was like, I'm going to trade you money to buy something that makes me look like this. Yeah. And then I'm going to eat chocolate. And then I'm going to go eat. I mean, it just, the sweats were looking so ugly that I couldn't believe I was going to, like, make that choice. The point of a sweat... I mean, sweat is in the name of the clothing. <laughs> I don't know that the point is hotness. Well, then what are you doing? <laughs> Why be alive? Well, I'm just like, if I could wear leggings and they mm-hmm. look like... They, leggings don't look, like, outwardly hot, but they're not, like, anti-hot. Mm-hmm. If I could wear that and be comfortable and be right down the middle line, why would I wear something... Equally as comfortable, but that makes me look worse. Free flow and breathability. My legs don't need to breathe. This is a woman who sleeps in tights, tights up to her neck all the time. These legs have spent 36 years not breathing. Why do they need to breathe now with a pair of sweats? Anyway, that's just my take. That's just my take. Have some chocolate. You're you're getting emotional. Have some chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) What am I eating? Um, Buddha chocolate. It does contain magical alchemy. And coconut sugar. And cacao? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It does. It's an almond cup. Experience and inspire the magical alchemy of the human spirit. Choose love, eat chocolate, okay? This tastes a little rancid to me. See almonds. Do you agree? Mm. No. It's just the raw chocolate I'm tasting? <laughs> that's, that's the human spirit. Mmm. <laughs> mm. No, I think it's just almond butter. I think these are fine. They're, they're fine, but they're, they're blowing me away. The raw chocolate is a hard sell. For you? Yeah. You guys, controversy. I don't really like chocolate. Come on. I know. I'm sorry to say that during our chocolate course, but... This was the problem with your chocolate chip cookies, no offense. <laughs> is that you don't like... You make a delicious cookie, but since you don't like chocolate... I know. They weren't as chocolate heavy as Listen, I wish they were. The world's best cookie is a chocolate chip cookie, no chips, plus walnuts. Shh. It's so good! It's the best. What I are you know. talking about? <laughs> the best chocolate chip cookie is one chunks of chocolate. Mm-mm. So much that you can barely understand how it's all keeping together and then covered with some um, thick sea salt. I hold my stance. <laughs> walnuts. They're the new chocolate. But walnuts and chocolate together. No way. Mm. Okay, this is good. I'll finish this later. Mm-hmm. What other drink do we oh, have? Oh, yeah, we're washing it down with this celestial latte. We didn't even taste it. What's in it? It's the Godfather? It's chai and chocolate and coffee. By Ooh. Celestial Seasonings? Ooh. Mm-hmm. We should note that they didn't pay you for this. We just You just had it in your cupboard. These are not sponsored. Mm. Hey, Nicole. Authentic masala chai. Made more indulgent with boiled espresso and rich cocoa. 
You, you got a problem with that? <laughs> Just wondering. That's what it says on the carton. It says, quote, you got a problem with that, question mark. Truly, end quotes. I don't have a problem with it. It's fine. The thing with celestial lattes is it all tastes... fine. It all tastes like Oregon chai. Plus marshmallows. But just like one extra element. Do you taste marshmallows? I do taste marshmallows. Marshmallows. <laughs> I like this. Celestial lattes. Mm-hmm. No marshmallows required. The God... Okay, I, would, I would never buy this Godfather drink. <laughs> and I don't understand what the Italian connection is and why they have to write, you got a problem with that? <laughs> They're struggling with their branding. <laughs> Strangely, this is my favorite. Celestial Seasonings has made a latte concentrate <laughs> that for no reason, visually or otherwise, is called the God... Chai tea, not Italian. Espresso, I guess. Yeah. Cocoa? Cocoa? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're sticking with their branding choice. Why well, don't they have like a classic Indian phrase on there? Mm-hmm. You got a problem with that? <laughs> I'm from India. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also... I really just think Celestial Lattes is so funny. <laughs> um, okay, so mm-hmm. raw almond butter cups. Nah, I feel whatever about those, but... I wouldn't pay the $16 that these probably cost. But this marshmallow drink, I'm in. I'm going to say thumbs up on the almond butter cup, thumbs down on the Godfather. Oh my god, opposite? We disagree? Opposite day. <gasps> ah! I did buy sweats. <laughs> and we did eat chocolate. Nicole did take a nap in the car. For twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> Sweats are gonna carry you far. I can't wait to follow up and see how many times you wear them in the next the course of the next two weeks. That's all I'm gonna wear. Alright everyone. End of the world. I'm gonna be wearing sweats. I'll be eating so many sweet potato leathers. Morgan. Yeah. I wanna tell you about my top three foods of twenty sixteen. Okay. My top three foods, which we've talked about some of them on the podcast, are prunes dipped in tahini. Shut up. Not with those again. <laughs> Don't. Golden milk. I love golden milk. Which is a turmeric powder latte kind of drink because I need turmeric which? for my inflammation and arthritis. We sampled on the show. We sampled on the show. Um, and the other thing that was on my list in Los Angeles, matcha lattes are very hot. Mm. And you know what? I'm loving them. not. They're hot. They're hot. I'm loving them. They're great for after a nap. They really give me a boost. Mm -hmm. Lastly, this is a bonus one. I've really been having a bubble tea renaissance in Los Angeles. Ooh, yes. I do want to tell you, I went to a place, a boba place, Mm -hmm. and I refer to it as bubble tea, and the, no offense, totally brain-dead teenager behind the counter was like, like, we don't have bubble tea. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, that's what this place is. And he's like, This is boba. And then the girl working with them was like, sometimes people call it that. And he was like, oh. And I was like, really? In the orientation, nobody was like... Sometimes it's also called bubble tea. It's not synonymous? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't feel like that much of a freak until I walked in there and referred to it as bubble tea. (laughs) He was like, bubbles? I'm sorry. We don't make bubbles on our tea. He wasn't like a super authentic teenage barista. He was like... (gasps) A stoner ding-dong. I love an anyway. authentic teenage barista. You know, I mean, it wasn't like somebody who was like a boba champion. I do want to say my favorite place in L.A. is Pearl's Finest Bubble Tea, which is in West Hollywood. It's boba It's so good. Mm. They're like mixologists. and then, bubble tea? Yeah, and it makes I'm you sorry, feel like they really care. Okay. So, Jess, can you get squares and triangles and like wiggle shapes or just circles? I don't know. I don't, I don't try to get anything weird like that. Mm. What are your top three snacks of the year? 
You know, I don't know if I've got three. I've been really uh, rekindling my love affair with the salad. That's not that exciting to anyone that knows me. Any kind of a shred, any kind of a leaf, that's not true. It's always romaine. Romaine. Romaine with the campaign. And, um, um, oh, I have, like, the all the Miyoko's cheeses with mm. Mary's Gone Crackers. So the mozzarella, which sounds like it's not going to be exciting, is really exciting. And it's really good on a Mary's Gone Crackers cracker, which are, like, so dense and crispy that they get, like, hot in your mouth because of all the friction from chewing all those seeds <laughs> all over time. They do! Chew them and you'll totally see. But, um, so, like, that, like, warm cracker feeling in my mouth. And, and you then, also said sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of sunflower seeds and a pumpkin seed. Um... On just like some shredded beets and carrots. Ugh, I'm embarrassed to be saying that out loud. Anyone that knows me is just like, of course you're eating shredded beets and what carrots. What kind of dressing? I make it myself. What Sorry, is it? What's salad your dressings of the world. Four ingredients. Lots of garlic, apple cider vinegar, olive oil, salt. I lied. Five. Pepper. Ground pepper. <laughs> Liar. So sorry I lied to you Liar. listeners. What are we tasting today? Right now we're going to be eating a crisp bread. It's not a Mary's Gone Crackers. It's a whole grain crisp bread from Trader Joe's smothered in... Nutiva coconut oil with buttery flavor. Now, here's the deal is that like Earth Balance makes margarine, but they make it with palm oil. No. They basically extract from the tears of orangutans Mm -hmm. and then try to greenwash it. Uh, Miyoko makes butter. Mm -hmm. She's a a vegan gal uh, and she makes butter. It's pretty expensive but delicious, coconut Mm -hmm. oil based. So, Nutiva's trying to get in on the palm oil free vegan butter game. On that niche. By adding quote-unquote buttery flavor flavor to coconut oil so we're gonna try it now on this flatbread cracker but it is also certified vegan organic vegan buttery flavor there you go that's weird okay Ooh, i lied organic fair trade red palm oil son of a bitch i know oh my god i taste like a orangutan cheers yeah i can taste them movie theater all the way all the all the way if you buy this yeah. You're buying this because you want to put it on popcorn? No yeah. other reason. Yeah. This is not a cracker spread. It's not for, like, toast or, like, your English tea sandwich that you're making vegan. This is like a Jelly Belly. <laughs> it is Jelly Belly. Popcorn oh, my God. Taste. Nailed it. Nailed it. Mmm. Yeah. But so, texture is weird. Just go Miyoko's. But if you and I went to the movie theater. Yeah. And you handed me this. You'd be. I'd be like, there's already butter on my popcorn. Pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. But if you handed me this. At the movie theater, that was an indie theater that had real butter. Yeah. So my popcorn was dry as a bone. Mm-hmm. I would be taking this. It was just the nutritional yeast dusts off it and falls all the way to the bottom because there's nothing to stick to. Yeah. Mm. I do want to tell you that coming... I like these crackers. Coming in a few days is my 20-year vegan anniversary. Mm. So I shall be celebrating... With? I don't know what. Mm. I do have a gift certificate to Crossroads, the vegan fine dining restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe I'll celebrate there. Anyway. Morgan, thanks for coming on the podcast. It is... Nothing but a pleasure to spend time with you, Nicole, and eat things. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you. And Happy Festival New Year. of Lights, Festival of Oil. And uh, Sister Ponyo's here too. Yeah, Ponyo. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>from the privacy of my closet in Los Angeles, California. This week, I'm going to answer a bunch of advice questions all by myself. And since it's a holiday week, I 
don't really have phone calls or voice actors or bonus voices, so I will be reading the questions too. But I have a lot of things I want to tell you, so stay tuned. Hi, Nicole. I'm polyamorous, and I want to be courteous when dating. Is it ghosting if you disappear after only a couple dates before you've had sex with the person? At what point is there an expectation for some type of goodbye or closure? Signed, Polyamorous. Dear Polyamorous, um, I think it is not too much of a stretch for you to just write to them and say, Hey, this isn't for me, but it was so nice to meet you if you've gone on one or two dates without having sex with them. If you have had sex with them, you probably have to say a little bit more than that. But um, I think you should just use your normal manners as if you would if you hang out with anybody for a couple times for several hours, you know? You don't just disappear completely, but you do say, hey, I'm not in. Peace out. In whatever way feels good to you. Uh, one of my friends, I did say to her before, I said, do not bring shame to our family by ghosting. Because it just seems like a rude, weird practice. I mean, if they don't take the hint after you say this isn't for me and they want to be pen pals or something, then all bets are off. But um, that's what I think. Just, a, just a, nice, a nice goodbye, no thanks, but thanks. Dear Nicole, when did the term graphic novel first, first become popularized? Dear listener, that's not advice, unfortunately, and I don't know. But I do have a book I want to tell you about, which is Citizen 13660 by Mine Okubo, um, who was in a Japanese internment camp in World War II in Idaho. That's a really great book, and I just recommended it to my comic students. Dear Nicole, when drawing autobiographical comics, is there a guideline for including individuals from your past? Should you seek them out and ask permission? And if you don't, and change the names, keep details vague, and avoid controversial moments, should you also anonymize their depictions? Signed, Friend in France. Dear friend, um, is there a guideline for including individuals from your past? I say just tell the story you want to tell. A. B. Make sure the emotional truth is there. C. Make sure you're only telling it from your perspective. Um... That's like a good narrative tool and it's a good ethical tool. And also, um, make sure you're showing your own flaws and that you are not a perfect person. If you finish the whole book and you're the hero and you are not um, a flawed individual who did probably as many strange, seemingly crazy or bad things as the other characters, then you may have done it wrong. So go back and make yourself even more complicated. Um, those are my first guiding principles. Other than that, about asking them permission, I really don't ask permission. Different people have different things, but I mean, I will, I really try to be fair, and I'm not using my books as a way to hurt anybody um, or to tattle on anybody. I'm just trying to tell my emotional truth and my story, and what I have done in the past is tell people when my writing is done, I included you in this book, here's what I wrote about. Um, and then you just have to accept the consequences of that. If I'm doing anything in there that's disparaging to them, I will try to disguise them. Because, again, you're t there to tell a story. You're not, it's not journalism. You're not a reporter. You don't need to be married to the facts of the way they looked and dressed and what their name was or whatever. You can blend them together with another person or amend the details a little bit so that you are protecting this human being and still 
um, expressing yourself artistically. That is what I think. Um, I think just in general, that's good, whether you're doing something great about them or not. Dear Nicole, is there a comics? Dear reader, that's not advice. Dear Nicole, should cartoonists date graphic novelists? Well, sure. I mean, a graphic novel is just a really long comic. Let's say a graphic novel is a comic that's longer than 90 pages. Shorter than 90, you could call it a graphic novella. 36 pages, you could just call it a floppy or a mini comic. Um, the only problem I see with cartoonists dating graphic novelists is that the cartoonists might feel resentful of the graphic novelists for doing the exact same work but getting a little bit more respect and then that seems problematic because what if the cartoonist wants to bring it up all the time or feels more like of the people and um, doesn't respect that the graphic novelist is doing literally the exact same work and just has a slightly longer format. Dear Nicole, hi, how can we expand people's horizons past superheroes? Thanks. Um, that's an interesting question. Well, first of all, I don't know if we need to expand people's horizons past superheroes. Honestly, I think we just need to make more complicated superheroes. I am very out of touch with the superhero field right now, but I know that people like Ta Nasi Coates and Roxanne Gay and Mariko Tamaki are all people who are writing for superhero characters, like Supergirl or Black Panther. So by them writing for them, they're making superheroes more complicated, and uh, that sounds great to me. Uh, so then you're not just watching the same straight white buff X-Men guys uh, and gals um, slay each other over and over again. You're reading things a little bit more nuanced. So that's really cool. Um, I don't know. For me, it was the gateway drug because I learned to read that format and enjoy graphic literature. And so then when I found something like Mouse on the shelf and I was bored, I read Mouse. And then... When I saw self-published comics by um, lesbians or people like John Porcelino, I was drawn to that because the graphic literature form was in my brain and I liked reading pictures. So um, I'd say get people cooler and cooler superhero comics and then try giving them something that's similar but a little bit different. You know what I mean? Something that is aesthetically similar but has a different theme. So instead of people fighting, it maybe is about something political. And then you can go further and further and further. And then that is how comics can be the gateway drug. Okay, to expand people's horizons. Dear Nicole, I'm a voracious reader and I like reading reviews of books and comics to see what to read next. I also like cataloging and rating everything I've read on Goodreads. Sometimes when I don't like something that is an indie work, I am conflicted in whether to honestly rate it or just skip the rating. When it's something I love, I will rate, review on Goodreads and Amazon and try to help the author. Do you think my honest but sometimes negative opinion matters, or should I follow the, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all? I feel conflicted about the anonymous opinions thrown about on the internet. P.S. All your books have high reviews for me, and I love the podcast. Thanks for sharing your life, advice, and work with the world. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. You know, I don't. If I felt so-so about an independent work, especially if it's by a woman or a queer person or a person of color, 
I kind of just let it lay, unless it's offensive. I generally will not bring out a low review unless something is offensive to me in a way that's obvious. And if I feel like they have stolen that time from me or they have stolen that space that a different marginalized voice could have had instead, um, that's when I will generally write, go forth with a bad review because that stuff really does hurt and it kind of sucks. Um, that's just me. You be free to do what you want to do. You know, Goodreads is like the Yelp of the book world. And if you feel like you want to express yourself on there and tell people, then I would do that. But otherwise, sometimes I'll just leave like a lukewarm review for everybody unless I really, really, really hated it. Um, I have a little bit of a tip. If you do comics or if you write books or if you do something that people can review, my number one tip is do not read reviews. Number one, it doesn't matter. You just have to make your art and your art is out there. And it matters not at all if people loved it or hated it because you're just going to still be you and still be an artist and you just still need to keep making your art. So dragging yourself down with um, having the mean words of a stranger lodged in the back of your brain is not going to help you in your artistic process. And it, it shouldn't be there. Um, but if you do read a bad review, like one star or, or less, one star, if you read a really bad review, generally if you go look, that person has written other bad reviews of lots of other things because that person is probably an asshole. Like you, reader, caller, uh, advice asker, are somebody with um, a conscience and you're curious about whether or not you should do this. But the people that go out there and just fling around one-star reviews and trash stuff are generally not super pleasant on the internet anyway. So if you are a tender artist and you find a low review, go look at how they reviewed other stuff so you know not to take it personally. Uh, I do like that RuPaul says that he doesn't really take in the good things or the bad things that people say because they don't matter. Neither of them matter. People fluffing you up, putting wind in your sails, or people tearing you down because you're still you and you're still going to do your work. Um, but I think this was a very thoughtful question. And yeah, for me, I would give a lukewarm review. Uh, unless I really, really hated something like this book by a cartoonist guy all about jacking off. It's over 100 pages. I believe it was hardback. Um, I don't want to say the name of the person or the book because I don't want this to be a slanderous podcast, but it was truly a book about this loser guy jacking off to different porno tapes and trying really hard to make the ultimate porno um, cum shot videotape. And I think he lived with his parents and maybe he had abused a girlfriend in the past. It just really, this was a graphic novel. And I felt so upset that this was taking up space on the library shelf. That this was a hardback, that somebody had published this, that people I know like this guy. I was like, what is going on? Dear Nicole, what are your most used drawing tools when working on a book? Favorite pens, paper products. Great question. All right, here's the deal. When I am just drawing for myself, for my life, for quote-unquote fun, or to express my feelings, I'll draw on anything. Um, no, I'm, I'm lying, but I, I do like to carry around little, like, moleskin. They don't have to be moleskin, but like a small notebook in my purse all the time so I can take notes wherever I am. So, like, if I'm at group therapy and someone says something I like, I can write it in there. Or if I go to a talk and I see someone, like, Eileen Miles or Gloria Steinem or Ariel Schrag or Phoebe Gleckner or Art Spiegelman give a talk. I can take notes on things they said. Or, you know, if I'm somewhere and I'm having a feeling and I want to stop and draw it, I can do that. Um, and that can be any kind of paper. 
Who cares? And I, for that, I use a ballpoint pen or a micron pen or a micron style pen in my purse. Um, the next tier up for me is bigger sketch pads. I really like multi-purpose. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a watercolor sketch pad. So it's a sketch pad. And it's like a big, it's like a spiral bound sketch pad and the paper's pretty thick. And so if you wanted to use gray wash, which I'll tell you about in a second, or watercolor or gouache or whatever on it, you could, but you don't have to. Um, gray wash, just so everybody is clear, is water with a little bit of diluted ink. So like you get a tiny cup of water and then you just drip a couple of drips of ink in there and then you use a watercolor brush, which is pretty cheap, and you swish it around and you see if you like how gray that looks on your paper. And if it's not gray enough, you just add some more ink and then it gets darker. And you can have a few different cups with different darknesses of um, gray wash. So it's almost like you're watercoloring, but with different shades of gray. 50 shades of gray. If you're doing gray wash atop your line work or underneath your line work, you should use waterproof ink in your other pens, right? So it doesn't bleed. Okay. That's one thing I like to do just for fun. If I'm doing a graphic novel, something big like that, that's very important. I will use Bristol board. I can never remember if I like vellum or not. I just don't remember, but I work at 14 by 17 inches big. Um, I use rulers. I used rapidographs for about a decade. They've recently been clogging and driving me crazy, so I've been using lesser pens. The reason a rapidograph is good is for um, lettering and doing the very straight lines that you need for the margins and stuff, because um, it doesn't bleed and it's refillable, so you don't have to throw it away like garbage. However, mine have been clogging, so I had to leave them and get a nib pen which is like a, a spiky dipping pen. You know what I'm talking about? A spiky metal thing that you stick in a holder. It's very technical. You dip it in ink and then you drag it around. I use that right now because Rapidograph failed me and the company didn't give a shit. Um, I also use a brush pen. A Pentel pocket brush is one of my favorite things in the world and you can also refill that with cartridges or with your own steady hand. I love to use Rapidograph ink in that because it doesn't uh, clog and it is sometimes waterproof. And I also have recently bought a fake Kalinsky brush. So that is like a very, 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 very fine tipped watercolor brush sort of situation. And a Kalinsky is a kind of a weasel. So people who are a little more heartless than I will um, use that weasel's tail to make their art because it's a very fine furry tail. I cannot do that because of my conscience about weasels. And so I bought the next best thing, which is some kind of super cheap fake Kalinsky brush, um, fake weasel fur with a very fine tip. And then I can make teeny, teeny, tiny lines and it's great. And then I use a watercolor brush for the gray wash stuff. So that's what I use. That's what I do. Um, I can't think of anything else. I'm trying to get into gouache. I think gouache is super cool. I'm trying to get into it, even though color is hard for me. Thank you for your questions. I was very happy to answer them. I do want to say, just so everybody knows, I just got back from Portland, Oregon, one of my favorite places. My top places that I like to eat there are Queen of Sheba, Porcano, 
the by and by, juniors, and Fa Jasmine. Those are my favorite places to go when I am there. Um, on the way back, the dog and I, Ponyo, had a beautiful seat on the plane at five o'clock in the morning. That was on the exit row. Uh, we had plenty of space. We were so happy. I was ignoring my seatmates with my headphones that were plugged into nothing. And then the stewardess shook me awake to tell me we couldn't be there anymore because a dog isn't allowed in the emergency exit row. Even though Panya would probably save us all and knows CPR very well and knows how to use those defibrillator paddles. Anyway, we got moved to the very back of the plane. So we went from a beautiful seat right in the emergency exit row to the very, very, very back of the plane next to the toilet. And we were bummed. And that's it. That was our morning. And now I'm in my closet in Los Angeles. I've had about four hours of sleep today. I answered your questions. I'm excited for the new year. I'm very happy we've been doing the podcast for almost a year. In a couple of days, it will be my 20-year vegan anniversary. I don't know what to say about that. But um, I look forward to having more guests in the new year and answering more of your advice questions. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. Uh, and just keep reaching out. And if you like the podcast, let me know, too, because I like hearing that. Because uh, I'm just sitting in my closet. And that's it. Okay. Have a good new year. Keep your hope alive however you can. Or make yourself happy however you can. Because I know it is kind of harsh out there with you know who. You know who. The Voldemort of politics. All right. Over and out. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton. With assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.